Bibles and turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. We'll dismiss the four years old through six years old to go downstairs at this time. Matthew 28. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ that finally convinced the disciples who at the time before the resurrection were very disheartened, were doubtful, were skeptical, were committed to go back to their old way of life. You remember, they had placed their hopes and trust in this Jesus, the Savior, the one that was going to free them from the rule of the Roman Empire, the one that was going to reestablish Israel. And they were excited about this, all to see that vanish into the thin air when their Messiah was crucified. They all forsook Him and went their own way. But when the resurrection was made real to them, when Jesus Christ stood before them and grilled fish and ate it and showed them His hands and the wounds in His hands, they really believed, wow, He is the Messiah. And from that moment on, their lives were transformed. It is an interesting account that oftentimes we overlook how many times the word joy or rejoice or glad or similar words are used in the account of the resurrection. In Matthew 28 and verse 8, it says, The women departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. We read in Luke twenty four fifty two, and they worshipped him as he was resurrected, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. In John twenty and verse twenty, when he had said to them. I am the resurrected one, and had showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, Whom having not seen, we love. Though now we do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. A man by the name of Arrhenius said, The glory of God is man fully alive. Certainly you don't think the opposite is true, he continued. How do we bring God glory when we are sulking about in the basement, weighed down with shame and guilt and hiding our light under a bushel? Our destiny in Christ is to be fully alive. You might say today, Pastor, you don't know what this last year had in store for me. 
I don't have a lot of reasons to rejoice. You might say, you don't know all that's taken place in my life. I don't have a lot of reason to rejoice. Certainly, I don't know all that you've experienced. I don't know what you're facing now. But the reality is, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, every one of us can rejoice. And in realizing, that brings great, great hope to our lives. The resurrection is reason to rejoice. And I want to mention today just a few things why it gives us great reason to rejoice. Number one, the resurrection of Jesus Christ validates truth. You know, anyone can say anything. But when you back up your words with your actions, then it validates that, wow, this guy knew what he was talking about. Matthew 28 and verse 6, the angel of the Lord said to them, He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Jesus Christ had said often, he'd used a number of analogies to let the people know that he would be crucified and three days later he would rise again. He said as Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, he said, so I will rise again. He said, you will destroy this temple and in three days it will be built again. He specifically told them that they would crucify me and the third day I will rise again. So, as we read earlier, when he was crucified, they came and said, Pilate, we need to seal this tomb. We need to make sure they don't come and steal his body because he said he would rise again. We know that's not going to happen. And they sealed the tomb and they had the Roman guards there and knowing that if they did not keep that guarded, they themselves would lose their lives, but they couldn't stop him. And he validated truth that he is truth. He validated the fact that he is God in the flesh. He validated the aspect that what God says he performs and this is just in addition to all the other prophecies that he fulfilled by his birth, by his life, the details of, of his crucifixion, all according to what God had already said. Anyone can say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But it's the resurrection that proves he is the way the truth, and the life. As you've heard before, the resurrection proves that He truly is Lord. If Jesus did not rise, He would have either been a liar saying one thing and not doing it, or a lunatic living in illusion, thinking He was God in the flesh, going about in a, in a dream world, the fairy tale world, living in his own world. But the resurrection validates truth. The reality is only Christianity still has a founder, if you please, who is living. 
you don't, you don't even need to, and we need to be prepared to, but you don't need to go into all the defenses of Christianity. The one thing that marks Christianity from any and every other religion is that we serve a living Savior. That He is alive. And He validated all of Scripture by the resurrection. We mentioned the disciples' lives were transformed by the resurrection. And that brings us to another reason to rejoice in the resurrection. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives purpose. The disciples had no purpose. They were, after Christ was crucified, they were on their own, living their own lives. And just like people today, without Christ, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ being a reality in our lives, there is no purpose for living other than to try to please yourself, which is an endless dead-end pursuit. But when the reality of the resurrection comes into our life, we understand that we're given a much bigger purpose, that there is a living Savior, and He is at work in our lives, in our world, and in our personal lives, and that He made me and designed me and has put me here for a specific purpose, for His glory. Every person needs to come to a point where they have something to live for that's bigger than themselves. The problem in our world today is we're living for ourselves. And there's no fulfillment in it. There's no meaning in it. It's a a meaningless, hopeless pursuit of pleasure that is continually elusive. Paul came to realize because he lives, he has a plan for my life. He has a purpose for my life. And Paul said, so I'm going to give him control of my life. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. You understand, every one of us are influenced by other people. And our decisions are influenced by other people. And we often talk about young people succumbing to peer pressure. It's amazing how many adults are influenced by peer pressure as well. But when you have your purpose in life, the resurrected Lord, understanding He is alive, He is coming again, and someday I am going to answer to Him. I am not going to answer to anyone else. You are not going to answer to anyone else. But someday, there is a living Lord who I will answer to. It doesn't matter then what other people think of you. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. It doesn't matter how impressed they are about you. You have a much higher purpose than that. You are concerned about God. And it's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. We, we spend more time concerned about what others think. When you understand, wait a minute, Jesus Christ is the risen Savior, and someday I will meet Him. 
And the one thing I want to meet when I meet him, the one thing I want to hear is, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That gives us great purpose. It gives us a purpose far beyond seeing who friends us on Facebook and who doesn't. Seeing if we're in the top 15 friends of theirs on Facebook or whatever. It doesn't matter what other people think. It matters what Jesus thinks. He's not dead laying in a tomb. He's alive. And someday I will answer to him for this gift that I've received. The joyous part is the resurrection gives us reason to rejoice because it makes a relationship with God a reality. We're not called to a religion being following a dead man's philosophy. We are called to a relationship with the living God. We were made to fellowship with God. Every man is created with a God-sized hole in our lives, and only God can fill that. And because of Christ's death, because of his resurrection, he makes it possible for us to have fellowship with God. It is our sin. You heard sung through the power of the cross. He bore our sin. It was our sin that separated us from God. Our self-will, our rebellion, our pride, our arrogance. It separated us from God. And only the perfect Lamb, only the one who had never sinned, could pay the penalty for this sin. The Bible says that God had established the end result of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift that God gave, Jesus Christ, is eternal life because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. And he showed that the payment was complete and accepted by God when he rose again from the dead. When God gave him the power to rise from the dead, God authenticated the payment is complete, the payment is full, And we can have forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. It's not he paid most of it. Jesus paid it all. And now, Hebrews 7.25 says, He ever lives, that's the resurrection, He ever lives to make intercession for us. So, here you are. A sinner born into this world. Here I am, a sinner born into this world. And through the grace of God, He's made known unto me that I can do nothing to do away with my sin, but He's already done it all. And I call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And He then says that He brings me to a relationship with Him. He gives me His Spirit to dwell within me. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father interceding on my behalf. Think of that. That's a relationship. 
that we read earlier, the veil of the temple that separated the people from the holy place, the presence of God, the veil of the temple was torn in two so that now we have direct access to God. We can go to God and say, Lord, help me. We can say, God, thank you for the beautiful sunset that you've given. We can commune with God. We can talk with God. We can depend on God. We can go to Him for wisdom and strength and help. We have a relationship with Him. The sin problem was resolved and God showed His satisfaction with the payment of our sin when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But we have reason to rejoice not only because it validates truth and not only because it gives purpose to life. And, and let me just mention there, understand many, many people, the majority of people in this world have no purpose in life. Without Christ, there is no purpose. And, and the purpose is not to, to get them to think a certain way. The purpose is to bring them to Christ. That's the only answer. And then they'll have a relationship where God can teach them and and develop and strengthen. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives a bright future. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul addresses this whole issue of the resurrection. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, If in this life only we have hope, We are of all men most miserable. He said, if there isn't an eternity where things will be made right, he said, wow. If there isn't a resurrection, this is a pretty miserable life, is what Paul said. But he went on to say that thanks be to God that he is the resurrection and the life. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. You read through the New Testament and you will be amazed if you read looking for it. All the references to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. Paul's praying for the believers and he said... I pray that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saint, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us, word who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him up from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places." Notice he said, I'm praying that the same resurrection power that raised up Christ would be made real in your life in giving you understanding, in giving you power, in giving you strength and direction and help. He promises to give us power and grace for every need. It gives us a great future. A great future in the sense that Romans chapter 8 We're brought to a relationship with God, as we've said. And Romans chapter 8 says, What can separate us from the love of God? Can persecution or tribulation or distress or famine or peril or 
and he lists all these things and he said, no, none of these things can separate us from the love of God. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. The, the realization that we have a bright, bright, bright future because of the resurrection. Not because of the upcoming election, not because of the economy, not because of our health, not because of our 401k, not because of our family, not because of our resources. We have a bright, bright future because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he promises to walk with us through this life, that he promises to raise us again in newness of life and To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We've alluded this is the great resurrection chapter. But the future is bright. Notice what he says in verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Notice all this. It's sown in corruption. It's talking about our fleshly life. Corruption, that's decay and ruin and destruction and it's, it perishes. So that's our flesh. But in Christ, because of His resurrection, that's how it's planted. But then it will be raised in incorruption. That's unending existence. That's genuineness. That's immortality. So here's this decaying, rotting, And that's how we're planted, so to speak. And the future is we will be raised in incorruption. He says we are sown in dishonor, infamy, disgrace, reproach, shame, vileness. We will be raised in dignity and honor and praise and worship. That's our future. He says, we are sown in weakness, feebleness of mind and body, frailty in our flesh, our disease. That's what we have in this life. But the future is bright. We'll be raised in power, miraculous power, ability, abundant strength, oneness with Him. I don't know about you, I get weary of the weariness of the flesh. I leave the water on and forget it, and it runs all over the pasture or all over the patio. I forget things. I look in the mirror, and it's not getting better, okay? And I step on the scale, and it's getting bigger, and, you know, everything is going the wrong way. And in this life, there is not a lot to be encouraged about. But we have the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the best is yet to come. 
And because of that, he says, you and I as believers have reason to rejoice. We should not be as everyone else. Yes, there will be sorrows that come into our life, but we don't sorrow as those that have no hope. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and because He rose again, I too can rise again with Him. You talk about a total makeover, that's what we're talking about in Jesus Christ. Completely transformed. But... Ultimately, and, and this is what I, I rejoice in as well, it gives us a bright future because it's guaranteed victory. 1 Corinthians 15.24 Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power, And He must reign. Christ is reigning at this moment. And He will reign until the time comes for Him to return. And the Lord Jesus is coming back to take the devil and all His forces and all the source of of evil and corruption in this world today and cast them into the lake of fire and evil and sin and wrong And everything that is opposed to God will be destroyed. Amen? Amen. We sit and hear all the evil that's out there. But Jesus Christ is coming as the victor. He's already guaranteed it by His resurrection. He doesn't have to win the victory. He's already won it. Spurgeon said, like Samson in Gaza... Christ tore up the gates of death and carried away the bars of the grave. Like David, he delivered the flock out of the jaw of the lion and took the monster by the beard and slew him. Like Abraham, he returned triumphantly from the slaughter of the kings. And like Moses, Jesus Christ led Israel out of the house of bondage and he leads us out of the house of bondage. He is the King of Kings. He is the champion. He is the ruler over all. And the victory is guaranteed. You may look around in your life and think, man, the evil in me is so strong and the evil around me is so strong. But rest assured, the victory of the cross is guaranteed. And it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. That's why the last verse of 1 Corinthians 15 says, Therefore, because of the resurrection, because the resurrection guarantees that this is true, because of the resurrection that gives us purpose in life, because of the resurrection we have a relationship with God, because of the resurrection and the bright future He has, because of all those things, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, That your labor is not in vain in Christ Jesus. You want to know, honestly, the only thing, the only thing that keeps me going is to know that Jesus is coming again. And it doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter any of that. I'm going to answer to Christ. 
and he is coming again, and justice will be brought, everything will be made right, and it will be glory. And I know that's true because the resurrection. Listen, people will fail you. We fail each other. We're miserable wretches, but Jesus never fails. And what we're celebrating, and and do you understand? It's not a once a year celebration. Every first day of the week, we meet on the first day of the week to remind ourselves, He's alive and everything is well. He's alive and He's coming again. He's alive and this is truth. He's alive. So be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's the reality of the resurrection that we have in Christ. And this ought to be the greatest thing that we celebrate. Jesus Christ is alive. That means He's in control, He's coming again, and He's going to make everything right. We used to sing over and over to our kids going to bed, Everything's all right in my Father's house. In my Father's house, in my Father's house, everything's all right in my Father's house. There is joy, joy, joy. You know what? It's not all right here in this world. But it's all right in my Father's house. And he's not the old man upstairs. He's not the good boy upstairs. He is God Almighty that rose victorious over death, and he offers to everyone the gift of Jesus Christ. And it's only what you've done with Jesus Christ that guarantees a bright future. If you say, I, and, and you have the liberty to say, I don't believe that stuff. You don't have to believe it, but it doesn't change the fact. The reality is, Jesus is the only way to the Father. And because of that, we have great rejoicing. There's some of you here today that you say, you know what? I I think I've trusted Christ as my personal Savior, but I don't have great rejoicing. The problem we don't have great rejoicing, we're focusing on something else other than Jesus Christ. Focus on us, focus on family, focus on whatever else. No, it must be Jesus Christ. And understanding the reality, I can rejoice today. Regardless of what may come in this coming year, I can rejoice because He lives. Heavenly Father, I pray. That the reality of your resurrection would not just be made personal to us today. But Lord, I pray that every day of our life, there would be great purpose in our life. And great confidence in truth. And great joy from a relationship with you, knowing you at work in our lives. And sensing your hand leading and directing. And Lord... I pray if there are individuals here today who have never received the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, 
Lord, I pray even now in the simplicity of their heart, they would pray, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need forgiveness. And I ask Jesus Christ to forgive my sins and save my soul. Lord, you said that whosoever would call upon the name of you would be saved. And I pray, Lord, that there would not be one person that leaves here today without the assurance of eternal life through Jesus Christ. I pray for every believer here that we would know the joy of the resurrection, that we would realize our future is bright in you, and that we would reflect that in our thoughts, in our actions, in our countenance. And Lord, that we really would understand the power of the resurrection at work in our lives. Lord, may our hearts be submissive to your desire in our lives today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.